Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathram. Welcome back to the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Nathram, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. If it's your first time here, please remember to subscribe and follow wherever you happen to be listening. Also, check us out on the web and sign up for our newsletter. That way you don't miss out on any of the great updates for our Monday mindsets, new episodes coming out, and ways to meet some of the guests that we interview. If you're looking for a mentor or you just want to meet someone to help you shift your mindset, sign up for our newsletter. I'd also like to connect with each and every one of you, so please use the link below to my LinkedIn page. There you can follow and connect with me. I'd love to be a part of your network and learn from your experience. Let's get connected. The DC Local Leaders podcast and platform are both continuing to grow. If you think your company would like to partner with us, please contact us today. You can find our contact information on the web at dclocalleaders.com or you can reach out to me directly through LinkedIn. Today's episode is with Ali Porgasami, industry liaison for internal revenue service and professor at the University of Maryland Global Campus. Prior to IRS, Ali spent years at the Department of Health and Human Services. Ali's got a great entrepreneurial spirit. He's working on multiple projects right now, in addition to helping small businesses work directly with the IRS. He's got a great story, and we get into a lot of the nuances of what he learned from his entrepreneurial father, as well as his strict mother and the lessons he carries with him to his own kids today. So great chat with Ali. He also provides us with his contact information. If you'd like to connect with him to talk about anything you hear today, or if you want to do business with the IRS, make sure you find him on LinkedIn. His contact information is also available at dclocalleaders.com. And let's get into the episode. Well, Ali Porgasami. Yes, Porgasami. So, you know, 12 letters in the last name. It was a uh, it was a learning experience trying to learn how to spell this thing. You know? Yeah, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and, and spending some time with us today. No, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I really was thankful that you reached out and we had a great conversation. Definitely wanted to be a part of this. And I really like what you're doing here. I like where you're going with this and connecting folks and, and finding those synergies and opportunities to spread innovation and great ideas. And you know, this is a great platform. I appreciate you saying that. So. You're with the IRS now, but you were with a few other agencies in the past, right? I've done my musical chairs, right? So I've been at Commerce, Census Bureau, Department of Labor, interned at SBA at one point. Uh, and also, most recently, Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, and now at the Internal Revenue Service, part of the Department of Treasury. So you're with the IRS, but that's not the only thing that you do. You're, you're actually pretty entrepreneurial. You do like four or five other things. I, I wear a few hats. You know, I have a passion for entrepreneurship myself. My father is an entrepreneur. He was a he came over here when he was 18 from Iran with basically, you know, the clothes on his back, a little bit of money in his pocket to go to school. So he had a difficult time here initially and, and he couldn't find a job. He's on a student visa. And growing up with him, he's taught me a lot about entrepreneurship. So in turn, you know, I went ahead and pursued that and I do real estate. I'm a realtor. I do a lot of Airbnb property hosting. I also teach at University of Maryland 
um, university, or they changed the name now, University of Maryland Global Campus. I teach management organizational theory. So it just keeps me, you know, in the loop. I'm a master at nothing, but I'm really good at a lot of things, like hmm. I say. And it gives you an opportunity to mentor a lot of other people because that's the undergraduate program at uh, University of Maryland, correct? Absolutely. You know, it's an undergrad program. A lot of adult learners, folks trying to figure out, get their feet wet. What do they want to do? And I kind of feel like I bring a lot of real world experience to the classroom, just sharing with them. You know, this is what the book says, but this is what happens when the rubber meets the road in real life. So we have a lot of great case studies. And then I like to add you know, real time scenarios to the classroom, challenge the students to ask questions, think outside the box. You know, not your typical cliche, you know, one way communication in these in these classrooms. So being with the IRS, what how do you get to influence the small business community? That's how we met. Right. I was given your name by a colleague of mine, someone that I need to get to know just because you you take that passion that you just talked about with the University of Maryland and everything you do and you bring it to the small business community. What, let's talk about some of those things that you've been up to to really help solidify. You mentioned technology and all the things you're doing for the IRS. What's the most gratifying thing recently that you've been able to help someone do? Any one of those companies or just someone that came to you with a challenge and you were able to be their, their resource and, and their support system to help them do that? So to be honest with you, it's just getting their a seat at the table, their voice heard. You know, a lot of times people respond to these, you know, generic email boxes on, you know, any government site. And they wonder, did my message get read? Did somebody see it? Did a decision maker see it? Did an influencer see it? So when folks reply to me or respond to my messages or when I ask industry for some feedback, you can be guaranteed that I'm sharing that with the SES folks, the folks that make the decisions. Like they, like they need to know what the people in the field are experiencing and seeing. And I'm an advocate for continual feedback. And and fortunately, over here at the Treasury, the Azubu director, Donna Raguchi, she wants to know how we can improve, how we can do better, how we can better service the small business community. So it's great to have leadership on your team that is receptive to this type of feedback and looking to improve, you know? So I'm really fortunate that that she's there at the Azubu and then also our chief procurement officer, Shannon, they invest a lot of time and money and resources in getting industry feedback from our annual industry survey. We're gonna push it out and we want you to keep us honest. Tell us how we can improve, tell us, what you need to be successful. You know, when you send me a message, this stuff is not going to fall on deaf ears. Like I'm like advocating for you very strongly, like almost a lot of times in IRS, sometimes the program offices, business units. I remember one time they asked me, did I work at the IRS? Because I was leaning on or pushing a little too, I don't know, maybe a little too strong because really I wanted to get the information to the people who need it. We were kind of chatting earlier and you know, you use this phrase. My parents were like that, too. They're like, you only have one job and you feel like you can't even get that done. I've got four. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with this, the number of jobs I have. But it keeps I feel like it keeps me sharp. It keeps me on edge. Like, so I'm involved with a number of different things. So there's never necessarily downtime. Right. So mm -hmm. and I feel like I can leverage things I learn in by teaching right over into my my real job. And I, I feel like there's just a value add there. I mean, you got eight. Well, you have eight hours, quote unquote, at work during the day, but you have 24 hours in a day and you got to leverage all of them to the full extent possible. And I feel like one of the greatest strengths I have is just connecting people, because, yeah. you know, if I meet Phil, you Phil, and then I know Jose over here does similar things that you're looking to do. 
I like to be that connector to plug you guys in, make make those synergies happen. So, you know, that's where ideas happen. That's where good conversations occur. That's where these synergies, I mean, people people don't always do that, I find. They they don't like to share information or introduce people. They don't. But, but, uh, and then a lot of times people are introverted too, but I used to be like that too myself. Yeah. Shy. Really I, shy. I think it comes from fear, right? Fear, Absolutely. shyness. A little bit of shame. I talk a lot about mindset. I, I'm glad we were talking about that as we were talking about relationships and how that works. You, you're open minded to just connect to other people without fear of what will they think or whether it works or it doesn't work. And there needs to be an awareness of those people or a lack of shyness. I mean, I don't want to say lack of shyness. It's some people we are where we are, but we can always improve. And it sounds like you came out of your shell at some point from being a shy person to now, what were some of those things that were happening? Let's, I really want to dig into that. Like, how do you become who you are, right? You've got four different things that you're doing. You're also a father of four children. You know, Ooh. there's gotta be a, a process or a routine or do you read? I want to get all the way into that. So to unpack that, you know, it, it, it's a lot, you know, it's about putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. And, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was getting, Fired from a job. Really? I got fired. That was the time I was in high school. I was working at Kmart. I don't know if you remember Kmart. I remember Kmart. And one day I, I went there to get my check. I went there to pick it up. And the lady says, you're supposed to be working today. And I said, really? I didn't see the schedule. It wasn't up when I left. She said, well, it is up now. And you're fired. And I said, what? I'm fired. I said, okay. So... That's a small example, but I just had to figure it out. But what that feel like? You just got fired. I mean, especially as a teenager, I was a teenager there. And then and in my adult life, you know, I had a lot of disappointments, you know, with business opportunities that didn't go right. And it just puts you in a position that you got to figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I was working at I used to work in at Wells Fargo doing loans and banking and selling mortgages and subprime mortgages at that during the. You know, first what collapse that we had back in 09. So that industry dried up quick, right? So I had to figure it out. I didn't have a job for a while. And in those jobs, a lot of it is cold calling. And you might hear 50 no's and legit three yeses. Those three yeses would carry me through the week, you know? So yeah. putting myself out there, not being afraid to hear the word no, I want you to tell me no. So that's that's one thing I like to tell people too. like you gave up. Did they tell you no? No, they didn't tell me no. Well, why'd you give up? Make them tell you no before you move on. What do you think that does to us psychologically when we just when we be when we're able to become resilient in a way by constantly hearing no? Because that is entrepreneurship. That's business. You're going to hear no maybe 60 or 70 percent of the time. And you just have to be able to be used to that and understand that's part of the process because that 30 or 40% that you do win. It feels good. It feels good. It feels really sweet. You can't have the sweet without the sour. The sour is the no. And when you get that, yes, I'll tell you, you can ride that wave, but then you have to keep going. So, you know, I feel like entrepreneurs, they know that they have this like blue blood hustle in them. You know, it, they're, they're resilient. They bounce back. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're going to be down more than you're up. But, you know, you got to ride the wave and know when to attack and, and know when to seize an opportunity. And you always got to be ready. And so I think I take some of that mindset 
into the federal government position. And I want to share the knowledge with you all to be successful because I, actually I get a little high off seeing like a small business win a contract. Like I, yeah. it feels really good. Does it feel gratifying knowing that you, you help them get there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there was times at HHS when there were, I, I wasn't necessarily the, the liaison at HHS at the time. I was, I was a program owner, had a little budget. And I went to our Azabu guy and I said, I need some small businesses that can do this. And then inevitably I rewarded a contract to one of the small businesses that he shared with me, but I never shared that with him. Right. And then later on, he said, did this vendor get a contract that I introduced you to? I said, then they're actually doing great. They're killing it. He said, why didn't you tell me that, that that's great news? And I was like, I didn't even think of it. I'm sorry, but they're, they're tremendous. And I wouldn't even have known about them if you didn't share. Right. And so that little story there is like what I try to transfer over at IRS is like, I want to put you in the rooms to be successful. I want to get you in front of the people who can, you know, who have the requirements, who have the money, who can make the decision. And a lot of times people are just looking for the opportunity, right? Like I can get you in the room, but you got to sell yourself. But that's all people want. They just want the opportunity. Just put me in the room. Put me in the room and I can do the rest. And I feel like that myself personally. And then that's why I like to get folks in the room, you know. Even if the answer is no. Right. Because they entrepreneurs appreciate that. They want to know they're talking to the right person. And there's value in that. And I think we get better the more we hear no. Because then you can follow up and ask, well, why? Was it no? Not why not me, but like what were the things that were not included that should have been or what can I improve on? Absolutely. And that's why I encourage folks to always ask for a debrief. Like, why not see why not see how you can improve? And and, and it's good for feedback for the next proposal, you know, and it's good for government, too. So they can know, you know, they can be transparent. It's all about transparency, right? Like They can share why your proposal wasn't the winning proposal. And this helps you improve upon the next one. And then it saves money in the long term for, for our uh, government period, you know, better yeah. proposals, shorter pulp times, better acquisitions, more innovation. Like yeah. it's what it's all, what it's all about. I mean, each year you got a new president's management agenda and you always hear innovation, doing more with less, working smarter, not harder. Like these, all these buzzwords, but it starts with, folks like the industry liaisons, the Azibu offices, the leadership, engaging with the vendor community and, and being transparent. Like that's where it starts. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I think at IRS, we are moving in that direction where program and business unit owners and leadership, they get it right. They want to engage. They want to talk. They want to, they want you to help shape the requirement. So when it goes out on the street, we're getting what we asked for. Yeah. Right? that's we want we want what we want but we don't always put it together in the right way what what do you think is like the most impactful moment that shaped that sort of thought process in your mind like was there something when you were a teenager you know we talked about kmart but like you know think back seventh grade elementary school what solidified that mindset of, of entrepreneurship or that resilience to the word no or just i have to i'll I'll just keep asking the, the questions to as many people because now you have that message to share. Right. But you got that message from somewhere. What do you think there? Where was that? Well, Phil, actually is from my mom. My mom. Was she an entrepreneur? No. So or either of your parents? My dad. My father is an entrepreneur. He came to the country, like I said, early 18 years old. He worked one job 
as a bellman at a hotel in New York. And he didn't like how the customer treated him. He threw a bag at him and he threw the bag back at their feet. And he, you know, these guys from Iran, he spits on the ground. He's like, I'm not working here anymore. Then he got into construction and he learned how he's an engineer by trade. He graduated his engineering degree from Temple University. But he can, my dad's built a house from the ground up legitimately. So he started with one. He sold a house. Then he bought several. Then he bought a store. And that's just his mentality. He he never wanted anyone to be able to tell him what he could or could not do. And he came here with an uh, agenda. And, you know, he's been retired. Oh, he's retired now. I mean, he, he works when he feels like it. Mm. Whereas my mom, she's always had a nine to five job and she hates working. And she's the one who instilled in me, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Make someone tell you no. Ask the questions. Like I've never, I was, like I said, I was a really shy kid. I would go into buildings and or restaurants and not want to order, or put my head down. And she just would push me to, she wouldn't do it for me. Yeah. She never would do it for me ever. And yeah. she always, you need to do it. She, even if it's uncomfortable, you need to get out there and do it. Order your own food, go in there and return your own stuff. It doesn't, doesn't the shoe doesn't fit. Tell them it doesn't fit. Tell them it's the wrong size. Tell them it's the wrong color. She always pushed, pushed, pushed us to do things on our own. She didn't hold our hands a lot. So it was almost like a tough love in, in a sense with, with her. So I think I owe a lot of it to her, just breaking me out of my, my shine, yeah. embarrassing me some, sometimes, to be honest yeah. with you. It's, but I, I look back and I'm really grateful that she did that. Right. And I think, you know, and even even with your dad, like you are the child of an entrepreneur. So it's no, no wonder that you are entrepreneurial. And then you have this other, this other influence on the other end with your mom of, you know, making you speak up for yourself, building that muscle memory and those synapses that like, I have to, I have to speak up. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be shy, but do it anyway. Just keep doing it. Just keep trying, make them tell, you no. like that's a message that you got from her through actions and and so you've carried that into your adult life, and it sounds like you're influencing other people with those same messages. I, and that's what I try to do. I try to inspire and motivate people to step outside of their comfort zones, right? Because there's no growth in your comfort zone. There's no growth in your box. So you know, if you don't put yourself out there, you don't even know what you're capable of doing. You know, yeah. and you know, there's been times in my life where legitimately I didn't know where I was gonna get my next paycheck, you know, in my adult life, because after the mortgage industry collapsed, I decided that I was going to just do real estate. And I didn't work for, I don't know, nine months. I had saved up maybe like 80 grand from the houses. And then I just was figuring it out. And Were then you I, married at this time? No, 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 no married, no ladies. Just when I got down to my last $10,000, cause I legit squandered a lot of money investing in different things that didn't pan out. I went back and got a job, right? And I was working at PNC Bank in Philadelphia and I wasn't a manager there. So that at Wells Fargo, I was a manager, but I had to get back into the workforce. I needed a job. They offered me a job, it was a paycheck. And that humbled me too. Yeah, like, was that a blow to your ego a little bit? It, I don't wanna say it was a blow to my ego as much as it was an opportunity for growth for me because yeah. it humbled me a lot. Right. Totally humbled me. And I was working in downtown Philadelphia and old city, fourth and market. I met a number of people from the community 
The people who come in the bank are small business owners. Those are the only people that come into the bank. Like yeah. people don't come into the bank. So I met a lot of members of the small business community and it was gratifying for me. And it, and it told me like my passion was assisting and helping those people, the people who want to do more, the people who want to give back, the people who want to reinvest in their staff and their employees. Because, you know, you might restaurant like, I don't know, Uncle Julio's. That's a chain. But if you see like mom and pop Thai food, those people are really working hard and, and looking to give back to their staff, to their community. There's a, there's a sense of, I don't know, community in those type of areas. And that's when I knew I, I just needed to help small business owners get access to resources or just know what's available to them in order to be successful. Because it's, I know it's cliche, knowledge is power, but it is. Like You need to know what is out there at no cost. Because a lot of times this information is hidden on these government websites. It's more than three clicks deep. And People aren't finding this stuff. Yeah. So uh, that's why I like to push it out and share. And that's why I created the IRS Industry Flash to get information out to the community so they can see it in, in real time. They don't have to click three clicks deep or be subscribed to multiple different listservs. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna feed you to your full, as I, I yeah. like to say. Like And you learn that you learn that just on your own, it sounds like, or you learned that lesson, well, from your, from your mother and from your father, right? Well, but you learned that in, in an opportunity where it was actually not what you were looking for at the time. I mean, you were at PNC Bank. I don't think you were planning to be a banker forever. No, banking was not for me. I mean, with this whole fintech stuff now, I, I'd be surprised if we even see banks yeah. in the near future. But, you know, but that's where you found your passion for doing what you're doing now. It is. And in the most unexpected place. In, in the most random place there sitting at PNC Bank, Fourth and Market, looking out the window at the coffee guy at the food truck cart. Um, I mean, that guy inspired me. You know, he told me his story about coming here with nothing and getting a food truck and a cart. And that guy was out there every day, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m., feeding his family, working in a food truck, selling coffee. But made a good relationship with that guy. Like, I, I was used to tell him about opening an account in the bank and making your money work for you. But another story that comes to mind is just like my parents didn't give me anything either. Yeah. Like my dad wasn't a big person to like just give us stuff like he, he would make us earn it or he made us understand like, uh, you know, these sneakers cost one hundred dollars. Do you know how much you make an hour at your little Kmart job? I said, uh, $7. He said, so you want to work all day for these sneakers? Does that make sense to you? I said, well, no, it doesn't. He said, well, that's why I'm not going to buy them for you. You need to buy them yourself. And I was like, well, I don't want them. He said, exactly. Why do you want them? I said, I don't want them. You yeah. Know, I, 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 I can't afford this. It doesn't make sense. It's funny, those small lessons that at the time, it, I bet at the time it probably hurt because you probably, somewhere in you, you wanted those those shoes. I really wanted those Reebok Pump blacktop sneakers. Yeah. I, I but, remember them. And at the time, it probably was like, oh, why won't my dad just buy them for me? But now it's like you understand a little bit better about why he wouldn't just buy it for you. Totally understand and appreciate the lesson that he tried to give me then. I mean, my dad always told me, I'm giving you free advice. You're my son. I love you. I give you free advice. Anyone else, I'd charge for this. I don't waste my breath. This is free advice for you. Yeah. When I stop giving you free advice, 
you need to be concerned. I said, yeah. okay, dad, I really appreciate that. You know, just little things, not getting snack money when you're young to go to school. So I remember one time I was at the dollar store in somewhere outside of Philly. And I, are you familiar with Cabbage Patch Kids, Garbage yeah. Pail Kids? So they were selling Garbage Pail Kids 30 pack in the dollar store for a dollar. I bought the pack for a dollar. I went to school and sold each pack of cards for 50 cents. And that's how I got my snack money. And then I gave my sister snack money because my mom didn't give us snack money. Because when we got up to get on the bus in the morning, she was still asleep. You know, she had to get rest to go to her job that she had to commute an hour to, right? Her nine to five that she hated. So you day. started, did you know that you were starting a business at the time or did you just figure, well, I need to supplement my snacks and I want to figure out a way to do it? I just needed popcorn i wanted white cheddar popcorn and it was 50 cents and i was buying it two times a day and i said well i don't have any money so that's a dollar per day so five bucks i and so i saw an up then my mom said why do you keep wanting to go to the dollar store well i need to buy more packs of these cards she said what are you doing with these cards well i'm trading them at school you're trading them i'm trading them for money yeah oh okay well there you go then then finally you know that that was how I got kind of got started just with this whole entrepreneurial mindset. Legit. I love being a public servant and like finding a meaningful role within the IRS where I'm actually helping people. So that gives me like great pleasure to see other people be successful. So that's why I do keep the job within the federal government and then also do things on the side because I have to feed myself as well. Like when I say feed myself, it's just feed my spirit, my soul. Like I enjoy yeah. doing these things. And the job I have within the government doesn't feel like a job to me. You know, like people say, well, you don't make a lot of money working for the federal government. And no, guess what? We don't. Right. <laughs> and it's just no secret. The industry makes a lot more money. But there is there's value in what I'm doing in getting the connectivity with the small business owners and and seeing them be successful legitimately brings a smile to my face. Like I really want to see them win. Like I get it. And, and I think that's because my dad struggled um to find his way you know yeah. real estate ended up being his way but he's like a really smart guy but you know he was bound by limitations coming here on a student visa and then finally becoming a citizen you know within the last 10 years so something to be said there i mean my mom's still working my dad's not working my dad came here 18 my mom was born here mm. it's just a mindset everyone doesn't have this mindset do you think it's cultural at all like your dad being from iran and immigrating here i think that when you come with less you want more right so like i think like sometimes if you're if you're born here you're from here not everyone you know let's be clear but you realize the scarcity of opportunities when you're coming from a foreign land here you you have to be successful you don't have a choice right, right? like where are you going you going yeah. back to iran i don't think so yeah you know so that mindset and that goes back to what I was saying earlier, putting yourself out there in uncomfortable position, uncomfortable space. You will figure it out. Like you have to figure it out. Sometimes there's, you have to figure it out. And there's no innately. You will figure it out if you have to. It's like their fight or flight syndrome. Like, yeah. That stuff kicks in like, oh, are you a you Tony Robbins fan at all? I, I like Tony Robbins. I like Tony Robbins. I, I mean, be honest with you. I mean, I feel I like Kanye West. I think he's a little nuts. He's a little abstract, but I like that. I like his story. He, yeah. he, 
he he never let anyone tell him no. They told him he couldn't do fashion. He couldn't do designer shoes. He couldn't do this. He can only do music. He should just be a producer. He couldn't be a rapper. So he produces for Jay-Z. Then he starts rapping. Then he becomes a best-selling Grammy Award-winning rapper. Then he goes over to Paris. His line doesn't do well initially. Then he partners with Nike. They don't want to give him the creative um, runway that he wanted. So he, he leaves Nike, goes to Adidas. This Yeezy sneaker, it's a billion dollar, six billion dollar company now. And there's nothing special about it. There's nothing special about it. It's him. It's his his brainchild, his branding, his idea, his his relentless pursuit yeah. of not hearing no. You can't do that. Who are you? Like, Kid from Chicago, yeah. single mother, raised them like, I mean, come on. Anything is possible. You, you, know, you just got to want it. Yeah. And, and entrepreneurs that are do well, they want it. They're hungry. Yeah. I, you know, the reason why I was asking you about Tony Robbins is he often says this thing where if you want to take the island, burn the boats. And that made me think of your dad. You nice. know, there's no motivation, like no alternative. Right. And, you know, the guy, uh, the guy was Dave, David, David Goggins, David Goggins, Goggins, David Goggins. I that guy David is freaking great. Anytime I'm feeling down, like, you know, I can't figure it out. I turn on Goggins and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, he really does have that that appeal. And it's uh, maybe it's not for everyone. No, no one is no, for everyone. Right. For everyone. Whatever you I th- I'm a big believer in finding what resonates with you. Like Correct. there's a lot of podcasts on mindset shifts in perspective, leadership, all those things. But maybe something that we talk about here will resonate with you differently. Same thing with Goggins. And but he is one of those people that I can watch any one of his videos or just hear him speak. And it just from his journey of weight loss and the military and going through buds like three or four times, but never saying no and just continuing to put himself in difficult situations safely. Right. right. Sometimes most of the time, hopefully, right. Right. but opportunities to grow opportunities to do something that is uncomfortable and that, you know, we use this term figured out, but it's really like you have to just learn all the lessons that are required to be successful doing the thing that you're trying to do. Let's talk about your kids. You've got four kids. I do. I can't believe it. Do you think that your your entrepreneurship mindset is wearing off on them the way that your parents, both your mother and your father, do you see yourself doing the same things they were doing? Or are you even thinking about that? Uh, it's so funny. You make, you say that just yesterday, my daughter, you know, she, she was born and raised in L.A. So she has kind of like this Hollywood mentality. This is a 15 year old <laughs> and she has like clothes she doesn't like anymore. No, there's nothing wrong with the clothes. She just doesn't like them, right? So um, yesterday, I, I she's in the basement snapping pictures of her jackets, her clothes. She's never worn. Like, what are you doing? I'm putting this stuff on this site called Poshmark. I'm going to sell it. I'm like, really? You're going to sell this stuff? She's like, yeah. I said, well, that's pretty cool. Let me help you out. Like, so, And also explaining to her the concept of like, kind of like what my dad told me, like, she would ask for like expensive, I don't know. She likes easy sneakers. They're $250. And I said, you don't even have a job. Your job is school right now. So I pay her back. And if she gets straight A's, then she can get what she wants, you know. But my point is, I was really taken back that she even looked at it in that perspective. You know, in, even in the morning, sometimes I get coffee every day. I get Starbucks every morning on my app, legit, every day. She says, Dad. 
we have a coffee maker here. Mm. There's a Keurig K-cup thing on the fridge. Why don't you just buy the pods and make your own coffee? You can save a couple of dollars. I said, you're, you know, you're right, but I really like this coffee. And so, yeah. I, and I told her, I said, listen, in this life, you pay for convenience. If it's convenient, you're going to pay for it. You know, of course I can make it myself, you know, but it's convenient. I go to Starbucks. I like, I like the baristas. We talk. We, I, I like people. I like talking. This pandemic has been super tough for folks like myself. I'm extroverted. And I really took for granted that the level of engagement that I got from just sitting, enjoying time with my coworkers. And people say, buy the water cooler or buy the printer. Like those things really mm-hmm. matter, right? Like that level of engagement. Like I'm, I'm so happy to be sitting here with you talking to a live person, looking at your face and not being on Zoom or have my camera off, you know, like yeah. I feel like these social interactions are, are critical to 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 us as human beings, the interconnectivity, you know, like it goes back to what we said earlier, relationship building. How difficult is it to solidify and build a relationship as a small business owner through a Zoom? Right? Because yeah. body language is what, 80 percent? It's like tough, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if this feels listen to me on the other end of that Zoom or is Iris, are they really engaged? Are they really listening to what I have to say? We speak with our bodies just as much as we speak with the sound coming out of our mouth. Absolutely. So if I can't, if we're just, if you're just sitting there still, I might catch an eyebrow here and there or a facial expression somehow. But look at me. I'm moving side to side just even saying this. So you right. can tell I'm animated when I speak. And I think most people are. And we're just being able to view, to mirror them or view those cues when they're leaning back. Now, I know that they're comfortable and we're we're having a good conversation, but if they're folding their arms or they're guarded or like, you know, I can tell, you can tell when someone's actually listening what you're saying or they're thinking in their head something totally different and just waiting for you to stop talking. Absolutely. Well, Ali, look, you're one of these people that I think that I can speak to all afternoon, right? And I really appreciate you taking some time and sharing some of the mission of the IRS, but then also getting to know you as an individual and some of the things that, you know, why you show up in the lives of small business owners. And I I hope that everyone listening, I hope they reach out to you and get to know you. I encourage you to reach out. I mean, I'm not a person who's going to hide behind an email address and not reply. If you send me an email, I will reply. And what's that email before we go? Ali.progosomy at irs.gov. Shoot me an email. I will reply. I will get back to you. I will connect you with the people that you want to talk to. I, yeah. I I will give you the opportunity to be heard and know that your email is seen. Your capability statement is definitely going to be shared with folks in procurement, with program owners who have a potential requirement. I will do that for you. Well, thanks so much, Ali. I appreciate you being here today. Definitely. Thank you. for. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders on Instagram at DC Local Leaders or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.